Last week, Brad spoke on the experiment. Nothing blew up, unfortunately. That would have been really cool for an experiment to happen. But the experiment of being thankful. So I do say nothing blew up, but social media did blow up with you sharing everything that you're thankful for. Like that was being launched. And so today, right now in your chat, let's blow up um, our church right now. What are you thankful for? Chat, comment, what are you thankful for? For me, I am thankful for technology because right now we're connected right and so I thank God that there is a way for us to still do church this morning still for us to connect and so type in the chat what are you thankful for and uh, let's give God praise in that this month we have been going through a series called lifestyle and uh Basically, what this series is about is where we look into the Word and see how we can reflect Jesus in our day-to-day lives. Today is week four, and next week is our last week of lifestyle, but let's hit it hard this today, and I'm calling it, You Got This. You got this. Jesus wants us to succeed, and we can look at how he lived because he had a successful life, obviously, so we can do this thing called life, and we can do it well by looking at his life. So let's pray. Everyone at home and wherever you are, just close your eyes. And God, thank you so much for another day. God, thank you that we are here. Thank you that your church is growing and expanding and that your gospel is reaching over. And God, today we just ask that you continue to do your work. God, we ask that your love shine bright today. God, um, I pray that you uh, bless those who are participating in church today, Jesus, whether they're at home or in a different location around Canada or the world. Jesus, we just ask that you bless them. God, I ask that your Holy Spirit dwell in their place right now, that they feel your presence today. In your name, amen. So in the chat, who is someone that is a superhero to you? Who is someone, even say in the house or wherever you're at, who is a superhero to you? Maybe it is a grandparent or a parent or a sibling or aunt, or maybe it's someone like a Spider-Man or Black Widow, right? Like, who are your superheroes? Type it in the chat and let someone know about that. If I were to choose a superhero, my ultimate superhero would be the Hulk. And not the soft Hulk right now. They kind of made him a little bit soft. But in the beginning, when he was that aggressive, Hulk smash, get it done type of lifestyle, he inspires me to be like that. Not aggressive, but passionate. And so Paul, who we read about in the Bible, he is also a real life hero to me. You know, he has guts. That is one thing that when I looked into Paul's life, he wasn't this this boring guy. He had guts. And there's something about seeing his life transformed from killing people to then encouraging the people who he once was trying to kill. So that, to me, is a complete opposite lifestyle where he was inspired by Jesus. So Paul chose to be a Christ follower, to live a life like Jesus lived. He reflected the mission that Jesus told his followers Jesus told his followers before he ascended into heaven. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 28. And uh, if you have your Bibles or if you have your phones, feel free to open that up. But Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18, I'm going to read to you. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always until the very end of the age. 
You know what? Jesus also said in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. You know, we see that Jesus' life absolutely reflects this. He came here to do his Father's mission. So if we stop reading there, per se, just say we stop there and we think to ourselves, yeah, I love God. I, I go to church. I'm going to church online right now. I read my Bible. I got this done. We're good. It's great. But unfortunately, we're missing it. We're missing the full conversation because Jesus isn't telling us to stop when we become a Christ follower and live comfortably. Jesus did not live a comfortable life. Jesus didn't Netflix it. How I would love to Netflix it all the time. Jesus did not Netflix it. He was off and working and going hard. Jesus also said, um, if we continue to read, that he said, this is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Jesus made the second commandment equal to the first commandment as love your neighbor as yourself. So here's the lifestyle I feel like Jesus is calling us to do, where we can all win in life, and I'm going to really simplify it. you got to love God and love people. Love God, love people. And however you choose to do that, go for it. But love God and love people. Paul encountered God. His life was transformed. He got on mission and loved God and loved people. The way he loved people was that he shared the good news to as many people as he could. How can you love people today? Right in the chat today. What is a way where you can show even an easy way of act of kindness? How can you show kindness today? Even on lockdown, it is possible. How can you show kindness you know, a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that I boot camped myself as a kid. Now, I didn't elaborate on that story because it wasn't fully the point, but today I'm going to a little bit elaborate on this story. So as a kid, about grade three, I would boot camp myself. And the reason why I would boot camp myself is because I had this thing in my heart that was on fire. There was a flame inside of me. There was a fight brewing. But as a kid, I didn't really know where my outlet was. So unfortunately, at grade three, one of my outlets was uh, beating up kids. And so, um, but, but, but it was out of good because the kids that, were my friends who got beat up, I would go after the bullies and beat them up. So it was a good thing, but unfortunately, it wasn't fully good. So that's just me kind of trying to smush that goodness in there. But that's not what I'm talking about. But there was a fight inside of me that was brewing. And unfortunately, in that time, as a kid, immature, I took that fight onto other kids. Now, my dad and I would weekly watch war movies. It was something that we enjoyed to do. And these war movies were the black and white, real footage war movies. And at a young age, I'm pretty sure my mom disapproved of this, but my dad and I would do this, and we would watch these war movies. And I remember telling my parents, saying, I know what God's calling me to do. And they're like, oh, that's great, Caitlin. What, what is it? And I was like, he's calling me to war. He's calling me to fight. He's calling me to join the army. And my parents would just be like, Oh, okay. Well, you're only grade three. You know, God's got good plans for you, right? So it, at a young age, I felt this call. So I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to start. I'm going to start young, and I'm going to start because by the time I turn up age to join the military, I'm going to be ready. So I would boot camp myself. I would do the push-ups. I would do the sit-ups. I would put myself on road runs. Like we lived out in a little bit of a country area, and I would run. And if I would get tired, I would convince myself that the enemy is behind me, and this is life or death, and I have to run or I'm going to die. And so I would run and run as far as I could. And, it, it, and I did it, and I was a weird child. And then there was a barbed wire fence, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, that bordered our facility, or not my facility, my house. That sounds really weird that we had a barbed wire fence. It was out in the bush. It was for, like, livestock. Stick with me, guys. Okay. And there was this barbed wire fence, and I would army crawl. And I would push myself an army crawl underneath the fence. And when it got to the point where I couldn't, I would dig the dirt so I can actually go under. And then I got to the point where I was like, I'm going to start going over the fence. And so I would go under the barbed wire. I'd go over the barbed wire. There was a pond in the middle of our, our backyard, which was the goal to get to. That was the destination. I was boot camping myself to that. And the reason why is because there was stinging nettle and devil's claw and stuff all around that, that pond. And I was like, if I can get to that pond, I succeed. I'm going to push through the pain and get there. I would climb trees. Now, this is probably one of the more dangerous ones. I would climb trees to defeat my fear of heights. But then I would take it the next step higher and jump and see how high I could jump before I feel the pain in my legs. I would test my limits. I don't recommend that. I would come home for dinner in the evenings, and my parents would be whoa, what just happened to you? Why are you looking so beat up and, and beat up? And I was like, I'm training. I'm training. Hearing this, you may think that I'm a weird, I was a weird child, and I probably was, and I probably didn't have as many friends as other people did, but I had this fight in me, and I didn't know how to release it. One summer, I went to a Bible camp, and that's when God encountered me, or I encountered God. He got my attention, and when I showed, um, when I when I went to that one night, and God showed up, that vision He gave me then is still very vivid to me today. And He showed me that I was dressed at that time in military gear, and I had ripped clothing, and I was bruised, and I had scratches, and I was like, I was. It looked like I just came out of a battle, but I was walking forward. I was walking forward. There was momentum, and there was movement. And then as the the picture got bigger, there was people all around. And there were people that were dressed in casual clothing, and there was kids and grandparents and, and doctors and nurses and different careers, and there was more people, and they were all moving forward. I heard a voice when I saw that, that vision or that dream or picture, whatever you want to call it, is that it said, God said, you are called to war, you are called to my fight my fight. The purpose in that moment started to download. Clarity started to be given at grade three. Did I know I would become a pastor? Absolutely not. Did I know I would be here in New Brunswick? I'm pretty sure at that age, I had no idea where New Brunswick was. So no, it wasn't even in my mind sight. But I knew that whatever I did, whoever I was with, was an opportunity each time. One would probably call me a Bible thumper when I was in middle school or high school then because I would start prayer groups and Bible studies, and I would have maybe one kid come because they had nothing else to do. Those are the times where I was like, you know what? God's calling you. God's calling you. The people in our lives 
need Jesus. We don't need to pray about that. We should already know that. Love God, love people. Fast forwarding to today, the mission has not changed to love God and to love people and to share the good news of Jesus. Church, COVID-19 does not change that mission. It does not change that mission. It does not change us from loving God. It does not change us from loving people. The world has not paused. We do not pause. Jesus did not pause. The mission is a go, and we continue. We must continue. The mission stays course. The way we do things, can that change? Yes, absolutely. Just like a battle or a war ground can change. The mission stays, but the strategies and the tactics of how to finish that mission changes. That's what's happening. Church online is a blessing. This is a blessing. God has opened our doors online. This is a blessing. And we say thank you, God, for our doors to be open, for us to reach farther and bigger. COVID-19 has nothing. It is just what is happening in our day and age. It is a season, but we must stay on mission. Paul had a mission on his heart, and it was lit up inside of him, and he could not let it go. Just like at Mia grade three, I was, something inside of me was brewing, and it was, it could not let it go. So today, we're going to look at Paul. We're going to look at how he reflected Jesus's lifestyle in his life, So type in the chat right now, I got this. Encourage someone, say, you got this. The mission is a go. So here we go. Jesus traveled a lot. Paul traveled a lot. When we say we work on the road, my dad used to work on the road. He traveled a lot. Compared to Paul, he worked on the road. There was a lot of work happening, spreading the good news. If we were to look at his life, his life was extreme and so faith-filled but it was brutal. It was brutal. He was stoned. He was jailed. He was persecuted. He was shipwrecked. You know, things that would happen in our lives would be like, whoa, I'm out. <laughs> this is just, this doesn't make sense. God might not, must not be in this. That's too hard. The trials are there. This just does not make sense to my mind. I'm out. The same things and worse has happened to Paul stoned, jailed, persecuted, shipwrecked, and everything in between. And Paul continued to live. He continued to move forward. He did not take a break. Jesus did not take a break. But his focus stayed true on God's mission. And God continued to show himself real and true in Paul's life, just like God is here today to show us, to show us that he is real and true in our life. In Acts 18, if you guys got your Bibles, Acts 18 tells us, so I'm going to go off this way a little bit, um, tells us that Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. This was during the second missions trip when in Corinth he met up with Aquila and his wife Priscilla, and they were tent makers just like Paul. He ended up staying with them while in Corinth. Now, during the same time, we can see in history that the Olympics were well-known, and the second also well-known games were called the Isthmian Games. These games would happen in between the Olympic years. The reason today, right now, why I want to focus a bit about these games is because Paul focused on these games while writing the letters to the churches with encouragement. 
So church, this is an encouragement. Many of thousands of people from around Greece and further would travel to attend these games. This would be a great opportunity for Paul to share the good news. The games were very important in the Greek culture, particularly because the Greeks exalted the human body. Majority of the Jews, and I don't blame them, did not approve of these games because, first of all, they would honor the pagan gods, the fake gods, the idols that were put up. But also, since there was so much honor towards the human body, these athletes would compete naked. So, I wouldn't even want to be near those games, and neither did the Jews, but Paul could see past that and see this is an opportunity. Athletes would complete in foot races, chariot races, wrestling, boxing, discus, traveling, and long jump. For each competition, there was only one winner. The winner would receive a crown of celery leaves. That is, is amazing. Celery leaves. And there was no second or third place and no participation awards. There was also no accommodation when these games were happening. So the athletes and the spectators stayed in the tents that they would surround the fields. Now in Acts 18.3, it says, Paul lived and worked with them. He's talking about Aquila and Priscilla. And for, um, they lived with them, and four, they were also tent makers as he was. Paul was a tent maker, and so were these ones. They took this as an opportunity. This was a great opportunity. They could make or repair the tents for the spectators and share the good news of Jesus while they're sewing the rips in the tents and making tents for these spectators. During this time, Paul would experience what Corinth was like during a game season. There would be excitement, thousands of people gathering for the purpose of these athletes to compete for celery leaves. People would come together to worship the gods. They would live their lives how they saw fit. They, they came, and that's all that they're, they're here to, to compete. That was their purpose. And Paul took his experience and used these games to share Jesus and to encourage churches. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 24. And this says, this passage comes in the first letters of Paul. So this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth near the times of the Isthmian games. Paul focuses on using these games and shows how Christ's followers, those who believe in Jesus, should live. So here we go. He is using examples of two sports, running and boxing. Verse 24 says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we, Christ fathers, those who believe in Jesus, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. This is Paul. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. That's practicing. I'm not just shadow boxing, he says. Paul says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, Paul says, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. One of Paul's fears is that he would lose. He did not want to be disqualified. He wanted to run the race with purpose, mission on point. 
to win the games, the athletes needed to commit to training and exercise routines that would push them and challenge them. It would be more challenging than me trying to do as many push-ups as I could and sit-ups as I could and running those road runs with the pretend enemy behind me. These guys went through it to compete. Just like this month, during our lifestyle series, we have been um, putting out little things that could help train us with learning how to listen when we pray, for using sticky notes to memorize God's word, to um, saying thankfulness and seeing God's blessing where we can conquer the negativity. You know what? That's things that we can train up in. Don't let last week be, that was Thanksgiving week. And don't let the week before, oh, that was memorization week. That continues. Let the training continue. Don't end that. These athletes would give up other pleasures. They needed to give up those things to keep on point, to keep focused, to keep moving forward. They did this to win a perishable wreath, celery leaves, which would die quickly and be thrown out or hung up in their house. Paul was using these real-life historical events. You can Google about it. Historical events telling the church, we are running a race in life. We have to run to win with determination and perseverance. If the Greek athletes can suffer and train to win a crown of celery leaves and worship fake gods, how much more should we, as Christ followers, exercise, and work towards a crown that will not be thrown out. Paul says to run with purpose every step. Every step. When you walk into that grocery store, every step. When you get out of your car at the gas station, every step. When you walk down the street to get the exercise and there's someone walking towards you, every step. Run with purpose. The picture of an athlete wandering around the track not knowing where they're going, that's frustrating as someone to watch. I'd be like, run, run. Why are you going that way? Forward, forward. You know, Jesus is coaching us. He's encouraging us forward for us to watch a runner who is going to the finish line all of a sudden go that way. Why? It just brings up confusion and pointlessness, and they're not going to win. The athletes need to keep that finish line in sight, to have determination to get there first and not wander off. Paul starts talking about boxing when he says, I am not just shadow boxing, you know, for those who practice in the mirror or have the punching bag, shadow boxing. The Roman boxing was insane. You can search it up. It was insane. It was brutal. It was vicious. The boxer's knuckles were wrapped in either leather straps or even pieces of lead or iron spikes, iron spikes, which would obviously hurt if you got hit with that serious injury. The fight would continue for up to four hours and until the opponent either got knocked out or dead. Boxing the air or shadow boxing is not an option. That is part of the training. It is now time to rise up. It is time to join the real fight. As Christ's followers, we are in a race, but we are also in a fight. Not a fight like I did punching kids out as a kid. Not like that. A spiritual fight. That ties into the gear that we need to put on, and we can read about that in Ephesians 6. 
In the letters that Paul writes, he was passionate and he was full of grace. He was encouraging. He wasn't saying, you guys suck. What are you guys doing? There was an element of what are you guys doing? This is the direction. Get on point. Stay on mission. He was full of grace. He is urging the church to press on, to run, to fight a good fight. We need to love God and we need to love people. We have to love God love people, and share Jesus at all costs. There is no excuse. Paul writes to the Philippian church in Philippians 3 and verse 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, this is Paul saying, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. Remember, Paul used to kill people who loved Jesus. And he says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Isn't that amazing? God has called us to be on a race with him. He is cheering us on. He is sprinting next to us. And he's like, we got this. We got this. Not for celery leaves, but we got this because you're going to come live with me. You're going to save others because of me. Watch your life be transformed because I am a good God and I'm a loving God and I'm here for you. In the foot race, the athletes run full speed with his body bent over I, I pro just Google it. Watch those sprinters. Watch the marathon runners. There is a way of them to run specifically to get their best in place. We need to have our best in place. Their bodies are bent forward and their eyes are fastened on the finish line. The athlete would, not, would, would be making a mistake if they're running forward and all of a sudden they look over. Their momentum just with the, the look of their eyes and the look of their head will either make them fumble, wander, or lose speed. Paul says, forget the past and look forward because his plans are good. God's plans are good. His future is good. His promises are good. So let's go with what's good. Paul describes life as a race and a fight. It is not a sprint. You know what? We have the prayer and fasting starting today, and we say for seven days. But after those seven days, don't end it. Don't end it. Keep the prayer life happening. Look for another devotional. Pray for someone. Don't just sprint it for seven days and go, eh, I did it. My heart feels good. It's racing. I got the blood pumping. I'm good. No, the mission continues. Get on that lifelong marathon with a challenge to persevere to the end, to keep going and not give up. This life is a life of faith. We need to have the goal in sight to push us with determination to get to that finish line where Jesus is there saying, good job, good job, high five, good job. You did it. You were faithful and you did it. Those who choose to follow Jesus are asked to pick up their cross. They're asked to reflect Jesus' life. Jesus picked up the cross. We will face opposition. Jesus faced opposition. You will face disappointment. Jesus faced disappointment. We may get beat up. Jesus got beat up. We may get knocked down. 
Jesus got knocked down. But we are urged to get up. Jesus got up. We are urged to fight. Jesus fought. We are urged to continue to that finish line. And Jesus did. And Jesus the winner. Jesus started and he finished. And he says, come on, guys. You got this. There are many days when I tell Brad, probably even just about two days ago, where I said, I'm done. I give up. I can't do this anymore. But I continue because I'm like, God, I can't do this anymore, but you can, and I need your help. And there's a good friend that I will, I'll send a text to, and she's on the other side of Canada, and I say, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. What? I, I don't know what I'm doing. And she says, good. And I go, what do you mean good? She's like, because God knows, so go to him. God knows, go to him. God knows what he's doing. He keeps our focus on mission. And we keep going forward to that finish line. In Hebrews 12, as I close, Hebrews 12, I say, is a getter. Uh, it's like a pump up or an encouragement or like a go team, like a hurrah or a reminder. And I would like to read these few verses for you. In Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. And I'm going to read from the message version. Here we go. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on. Think of those who've already done the race and who've ended well. Now we're here today. This is our time to do it well with God. It means we better get on with it. It's, he says, strip down, start running, and never quit. Never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race we're in. Jesus has already done it. So we can follow his example of how he did it. Jesus has done it. Thank God he's done it. We can do it. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. It says that. Study how he did it. Because we never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish. And with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, COVID, he can deal with it. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over the story again, item by item, that long list of hostility he plowed through. Jesus has done it. We can do it. That will shoot, it says here, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Yes, adrenaline. In this, sorry, in verse 4, in this, all outmatch against sin. Others have suffered far worse than you. To say nothing of what Jesus went through, Jesus suffered more than us. If we feel like we're going through trials, I believe you. I've been, I go through my trials, but Jesus has gone through more. Thank God Jesus went through more because he knows how we can get through them. It says, in all of this outmatch against sin, others have suffered more worse than you. To say nothing of what Jesus went through, all that bloodshed. So don't feel sorry for yourselves. Or have you forgotten how good parents treat children and that God regards you as his children? We are sons and daughters of God. He's going to take care of us because he loves us. In verse 12, so don't sit around on your hands. 
If you're sitting down right now, stand up. Don't sit around on your hands. No more dragging your feet. Clear the path for a long-distant runner so no one will trip and fall. No one will step in a hole and sprain their ankle. Help each other out. Love God, love people. Help each other out and run for it. Big point is Jesus loved God. He loved people. He shared his love. We can love God. We can love people. And we can share the good news of Jesus. That is the mission. Today is the day. It does not end. It goes. Until Jesus calls us all home, it goes. Mission is a go. Type in the chat, it's go time. It's go time. This week, starting today, is prayer and fasting. And it will take us until next Sunday. Whatever you choose to fast, I'm not telling you what to fast. Whatever you feel that you need to fast, I encourage you to do it. Whether it's food, an item, or something else, but during that time, I ask, spend time in prayer with God. Ask him, how can I run this race well? How can I love you well, God? What do I need to do to love you well? How can I love people well right now? Give me, give me strategic things on how I can show kindness and love to people in a season as of today. Because he will start the download. Remember to listen. Listen when you ask. Join the devotional plan. Dangerous prayers. It's not as scary as it sounds, but it is at the same time if you act on it. Because mission is a go. As a church, we're doing it. It starts tomorrow. It starts tomorrow. Let us be people that continue to move forward, and let's do this together. Church, I'm going to pray for you. And if you are watching Maybe you're on for the first time on this church. You just slid in and have no idea where you are. Welcome. But if you're here for the first time, or maybe you've been here, and maybe you've been in our facility, but you've never asked Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you, today is your day. Today is the day where mission is love God, love people. And if you ask Jesus into your heart today, he will never leave you or forsake you, and he's always with you. So if you're all eyes closed, if you're here today online, and you are here and you've never asked Jesus into your life, I'm going to lead you in that prayer. And it's just talking to Jesus. So I'm going to pray and just repeat after me. You can say it out loud, or you can say it in your mind, say it in your heart. Dear Jesus, thank you so much that you love me. Thank you that you've called me. And today, Jesus, I ask that you come live in my life, live in my heart, walk with me, step with me, run with me. Please forgive me for my sin and the things I've done wrong. From day, this day forward, I want to run the race well with you. Come live in my life. Amen. If that is you, and you said that for the first time today, we love for you to reach out to us so we can connect with you. If you can even chat in the chat saying, this is me, we'll have someone connect with you, or go to our Facebook Messenger and just send the church a message, and one of our pastors or myself will connect with you today. And church, I want to pray for you as we head out. God, thank you so much that you, uh, you love people. 
God, thank you that you've called people. Thank you for FWC and those visiting today, Jesus. And right now I ask that you bless every single person here today. Bless them. Give them their heart's desires. Hear their prayers, Jesus. I ask that you encounter them, especially this week, as they spend extra time um, for you. God, I pray that you show up and love on them. I pray that your Holy Spirit just, just give them a whole just warmth feeling, knowing that uh, you're here. You've never left. God, I thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity to share your good news. In your name, amen. We'll see you next week, church.